reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. First place. We're still in first place. Welcome to the show. We're still in first place. We own the tiebreaker over Washington. We're not going to fret over their win over the Steelers. Although, I will say, this idea of like, actually, I'm glad they won. I love competition. Screw that. No. I want to win at all costs. What's going no. on, phone? Justin, what's going on, man? Huh, Bobby Skinner. I love how we are going to spend a good portion of the show today not talking about the Seattle Seahawks' pathetic effort on offense, or just more importantly, a triumphant defensive effort for the Giants. Because as kind of uh, my my statistics sites and my analytics sites, they've been updating themselves. I've realized some things. I've come across some things that have made my jaw drop. I love how we're not going to be talking about that, at least to like start off, start out the show, and we have to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. making things about himself once again. Here, I love we how won't we're talk about do Odell that unless today. unless there's a voicemail or mailback. How about that? That's my promise. Well, well, uh, how about how about this? Uh, there is. So, I didn't know uh, that. My bad. <laughs> there, there is. I, I will say for the YouTube crowd and for uh, the podcast crowd, I feel like this is important information too. Bobby Skinner, a light in his room went out, so he's using lighting that our wonderful media company has provided for us. Even I look a little brighter. The left side of my face looks brighter because I have the I have a light on that side. Usually there's a shadow, so now I'm nice and even. But Bobby, you have your light on. That's pretty much it, and you look like you're about to tell a ghost story. I actually have three other lamps on. They all just suck. <laughs> it really was that main light that was doing the job, and I didn't I wasn't giving enough credit. I bought the cheapest type of bulb. And now it's very dark in my office. Tell us a ghost story. Um, ghosts aren't real. How about that? I'm just hitting everybody oh, with ain't real stuff lately. All right, let's. How do you feel about Christmas? <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh of ghosts, this episode t- was brought to you by Sal Gugino, Greg Longo. His name is Longo. Longo on the bongo. Um, Greg Greg Burgoyne. They call him Third Leg Greg. That's what I heard. That's what his friends told oh. me. Amanda oh Matola, which I think maybe like our our second um, woman Patreon. So welcome, Amanda. For, uh, and one of them is my mother. That's true. So maybe our third. Yes. Um, you know, I screwed it up. I was thinking of which one of our Patreons that we're close enough with we could make a joke. But I was like, I've, I I thought about it too much. I was indecisive. Well, can't do it. You don't want to assign a gender to somebody if they're not that gender. Not really a great move to make this yeah, year. Yeah, except for Mr. Brownstone. We got Finlayson. Mr. That's exactly that's exactly who I was thinking of. That he would be fine with it. Uh, Mrs. Brownstone, Finlay Skiller. That that name. I oh, actually, I think Finlay's from. Nope, he's not from Canada. And from Canada, Stefan Mello. His name's Mello. Hoodie Mello. Who are mm. who are these? You call them ghosts. Men and women. 
Who are these men and women? I, let's call them ghosts. Who are these ghosts? Um, these ghosts are sponsoring today's show. And they went to patreon.com backslash talk of giants for $2 a month. You can support us. You get to watch the show as we record them. You get to hang out with us live, including on Victory Sundays. You can celebrate Victory Monday a day earlier. You also get access to shirt raffles two times a month. Patreon.com backslash talk of giants. Bobby Skinner, we have a lot to get to. These mailbag voicemail episodes, they've gotten uh, very busy. We get a lot of questions, which is good. means that we're growing. means that we have a lot of people that want to hear from us, which is great. Uh, we have a lot. We have a lot to get to. A lot to get to. Too much to do. All right. Should we get to it? Yeah, let's get to All it. All right, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. What I love that we've been getting the last few weeks, but especially this week, it has it's multiple of them. So what we're going to do, people called, and they were just so excited that we won, and they just left, like, celebration voicemails. Let's reel off a few of those to kick off uh, Wednesday's show. What I like is some of our most loyal and early listeners. Let's start it off with Topher Pete. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Justin. Hey, Talking Giants family. I don't have any questions. I don't have anything to say. This is Toe for Pete. I'm calling from my mom and dad's mudroom. We just watched the G-Man stomp out the Seattle Seahawks. People don't believe. We believe. Let's go. G-Man! Monday is going to be a blast. Go Giants. Then we got Isaac Moretta. What's up, boys? It's Isaac one of your number one day one supporters. I know it's not a, a voicemail episode tomorrow, but I just want to say, let's go Giants, baby. We shocked the world. Let's go. I called it, run the ball, and play defense. I've been saying it all week, baby. Let's go Giants. Love you, boys. Let's go. We got Eric. Justin and Bobby. It's Eric and Naples. Outside of the sports bar, victory, 17-12. We rushed for 190 flipping yards. Oh. Leonard Williams, two and a half sacks, five sacks total, two turnovers. We lived to see another day after another turnover from Evan Ingram. Colt McCoy game manages. The offensive hog mollies dominate the game. It was ugly, and I loved every flipping minute of it. Hmm. Now the question is, do we let Jones rest, or do we go out and take out the Cardinals? G-Man! Now we got Matt in Connecticut. Gentlemen, it's Matt in Connecticut again. Victory! What a win. How good does this feel? Back in the New York room. Woo! So, my question. <laughs> Considering Arizona is just the poor man Seattle, should we expect a shutout? Thanks. The transcript said, should we expect a shutout Bangkok? Um, <laughs> it does. Yeah, Google, Google uh, I'll translated take on, that. I said, <laughs> I fear no man. I don't fear anybody in Bangkok. We will take them down. Doesn't it feel... I, 
there is an air of confidence, cockiness. Justin, yeah. this week has been fun. I, now, this is shower, Bob. This is, you know, 70s. This is where, like, the 77-0 stuff is a joke, but it's also real. Why not us? Why not us? Why not? This is a Super Bowl defense. If Daniel Jones could come in here, audible. Garrett opens it up a little bit. This running game continues. Why not us? Bangkok. Why not us, man? Why not us? I do love, by the way, uh, probably the thing that I... There's a lot of things I miss about going to Giants games. But, man, is it so fun after they score a touchdown and we're still in TV timeout after they kick the extra point and they're playing back in the New York roof and then we're, we're, you're just dancing and then it goes right into, um, uh, I think, Jump Around or it goes into another hip-hop song from the 90s that I don't know. Um, but it's so it's so fun. I, I miss being in the stadium pretty much for that reason because it's always just such an awesome feeling after they score and then hearing that. So I love it, man. I am, I am, I am so back. Uh, four games in a row will do that to a kid. All right, now we got uh, Dan in Staten Island. What's up, Talking Giants? It's Dan from Staten Island, New York. I'm currently calling from work, actually. I'm not calling from my house. Uh, big win. Big win yesterday. Big uh, big win in this uh, certain situation at this certain point of the season for us. Really shows that we kind of do deserve to win this division. You know, it's funny. I remember... Um, Weeks ago, I said uh, we still have a shot to win this division. I think Justin laughed at what I said because I said that. I could be wrong. I probably am. But uh, my question is about Wayne Gallman. So Wayne Gallman, if I'm right, is going to be a free agent this upcoming uh, offseason. Do we bring him back? Now, I'm not saying he's going to expect top dollar or anything, but do we bring him back so then we don't risk losing him? Because if in case Saquon does get hurt again – we have him, or we could do like a uh, two running back tandem, like uh, like what the Ravens do and what the Browns do. All right, good win though. Go Giants. We got two mailbag questions with that. Yeah, so bad guy on you, Bobby. Um, that it might have been you that left from at Dan. It was a few weeks ago. I was week pretty week down, and you were pretty up, and I was just I was so out of it. But there's also I'm also a bad guy when it comes to sometimes optimism. So uh, it, it it can happen. Um, it happens. Um, th- that would leave a scar on me if somebody laughed at me. So maybe it was me. Um, but Dan Staten Island, you're so smart. We have two voicemail mail, mailbag questions about um, this situation as well. New York Mets media, hear me out. I feel like we shouldn't re-sign Wayne. He's playing great. However, though... Uh, he's going to want something around 5 or $4 million. We all love it, but he's a backup at best, and that money could go someplace else like Leonard Williams. We could also draft the running back in a later round to back up Saquon. And one more mailback question we have from Eli, I believe, Eli Wartman, as my phone updates. Excuse me. Eli Wartman, as each week seems to be getting better and better for Wayne, what are the chances we resign him, knowing that probably means someone else walks um, like uh, Logan Ryan or Dalvin Tomlinson, somebody else. So let's let's talk about Wayne Goldman and chances he has to come back. What do we do about Wayne Goldman at the end of the year? At four or five million, absolutely not. Not with Saquon on this team. You can't be paying uh, a run, a backup that much money when you have Saquon Barkley on the team. If it's in that two million or less, yes. But also, Wayne Goldman 
and we've kind of seen it, doesn't fit in the backup role, you know? Like, he no. has not thrived in the backup role to Saquon. His role really is, like, he he needs some volume. He needs to get some carries because, you know, he's not a change of pace back. He is like, hey, I'm going to cut, I'm going to hit the holes, and I'm going to go forward. And that's just not what a backup running back to a, a guy like Saquon is. So, yeah, that's... I mean, that's why I was kind of down on Wayne Gallman coming into the year, where it's like, what's the point of having him if we're going to use Saquon, if we're going to have Deion Lewis on third down? Um, it's like, what's the point of having... I mean, and the Giants had him inactive in the Chicago game. So, no, just because he's not going to be in this role next year. At least we don't think so. We'll talk about that on the next question. Yeah, I, I would agree. The only thing is... Saquon Barkley, two years in a row, two different injuries, and torn ACLs are largely freak injuries. But it still is, you know, now we are at a point where Saquon Barkley, after three years in the NFL, has missed more games than he has played, or it is about even. Um, And that sucks. That sucks. So it's a bad, it's a rough situation. I think it has a lot to do with even our next question about what they could plan with doing with Saquon, whether it is next year, if they want to address it next year, or whether it comes down to um, 2022, 2023, when his four years are done, but then he has the fifth year option. And odds are he's not really going to want to play on that fifth year option without any kind of extension. But in terms of Goldman, you can't pay a backup running back a lot of money. You can't. You shouldn't be paying running backs a lot of money in general. But especially backup guys, you can't. You know, you draft Saquon Barkley in the first round because you want to use him, and you want to use him a lot. So we're doing our free agent episode in March. Are you putting Wayne Gallman in there and, like, I think we could get him on a $2.2 million deal? No. No. Um, It also depends on his value around the NFL. It depends on if a team like uh, Seattle, you know, Seattle loves their running backs, right? If a team like Seattle is willing to give him a $3 million deal, you would, you would like to think that there is one team that will be a little bit of a sucker to pay for, to pay for a running back that had a really good year behind an offensive line that is, that has found themselves by the way, but Wayne Goldman was performing well while they were trying to find themselves. And I think that will incentivize some teams we could be just way too much in the giant into giants world and not realize the outside I believe that yeah so um but if but if it is around four million no um look at wayne gallman from an outside view look at his numbers look at his i mean even this year like it's not like his numbers are blowing anybody away this year he's just doing a solid enough job the i do not think there's are. there is no one going to come in and pay four million a year for wayne gallman the next-gen numbers and the advanced numbers are. His yards after contact is awesome. It, it, is, it is elite. They are elite numbers that he's putting up, yards after contact. His time spent behind the line of scrimmage is best in the National Football League. The rate at which he's seeing eight-plus men in the box has been tremendous, yet he's still efficient with the ball in his hands. And also, he's a very good goal line back. Giants offense line have been opening up some holes, but he has made some nice individual efforts of jumping over the top, driving guys, again, getting yards after the context. So the little things that a running back can do, because there's not a ton that a running back can do for an offense, like individual effort that's outside of the offensive line or scheme. So from what he's expected to do, he's 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 doing an awesome, awesome job. Um, there's also been like five that, times yeah. this year, Justin, where it's like, this is a Saquon touchdown right here. Like, like four or five times where... <laughs> We have been said to ourselves, like, man, if Gallman just breaks this one last tackle, this yeah. ankle tackle, it's gone. Where it's like, 
Well, that's why Wayne Gallman is Wayne Gallman and Saquon Saquon. Saquon does break that tackle. Wayne but Gallman also, do doesn't. we know? Do, but also, there are carries in which I see Wayne Gallman gain four or five yards because he hits a hole and he's not patient, he's not dancing. And then I say to myself, does Saquon Barkley actually get four or five yards on this carry? But you can that, you can do, learn that. I do say that where to you can't learn like the kind of breaking it's, tackles that Saquon does. It's been two years of Saquon Barkley having trouble. Uh, 2018 was a different story. 2018 was just such a amazing year with the big plays. But this Giants offense, and granted, the offensive line is now better than it has been since Dave Gettleman has been here. So that's why you really wish that Saquon was here. But at the same time, you do need a running back that can hit a hole and knows that getting four or five yards on any given play consistent consistently is better than getting 60, 70 yards once every 40 attempts. So, All right, next question. Next question. Uh, Patty Mack, this goes to, we'll spend a few minutes on this. Patty Mack asked, uh, Patrick McKinstry, hypothetically, what kind of return would you expect in a trade for Saquon or of Saquon? I would love to see him behind this old line next year, but perhaps the, f- the front office feels comfortable with Goldman moving forward. You listen to all trade offers, you, like this whole, like you always listen to trade offers, but I don't think you're going to get what you want from Saquon coming off of an ACL. And, and he's also a look at back. this team. Yeah, and, and at the running backs. Look at this team. It's like, we shouldn't be in sell mode next year, you know? We should be in try and win a Super Bowl mode next year. Like, I'm serious. If we yeah. believe in Daniel Jones, we should be in try and win a Super Bowl uh, mode next year. Um, So I just don't – like I said, you listen to stuff. If there's an offer there that you, you're blown away by, someone offers you a high first and a second or, or something like that, then, then, you, then you look at it. I just don't see it happening. No, this is the one time where I don't mind Dave Gettleman having the approach of not picking up the phone first. Yeah, I just I just don't see it happening. Like I said, you listen to all offers. I just don't see it happening coming off the ACL injury. How much better do you think the Giants are, Bobby? And this is a, this is a question that we've gotten that I think we've been asked and I've been avoiding answering it because I genuinely don't know. But I also have an opinion, which is not popular. But do you, here's the thing with Saquon, with him on the field or with him off the field, do you think Saquon Barkley being on the field this year would add any wins to the New York football Giants? Chicago, absolutely. I mean, Chicago, he was he hit the hole that first play, got 15 yards, then got another 10 yards, and then got hurt. Chicago, I do. Think about how close that game was. Um, Trying to think of Rams. I you know, There's not too many memories of that Rams game, but... Our whole like we were a mess in that Rams game running the ball wise still. Um Dallas possibly. I do I do. There's not like a clear cut like besides Chicago, like we win this game. Chicago Chicago is the one game where I'm like I I'm pretty confident we win that game. Yeah. With Saquon. Um other games, um, you know, I'd have to go back and, you know, look at individual yeah. carries and stuff. The, the one thing I will say about this, and we'll we'll move on after this, but now, because I have the opinion that the pass sets up the run. Throwing the ball successfully allows your running game to open up, and especially when you're in a Jason Garrett offense, which they're stacking the box. Um, if you're throwing the ball a little bit more successfully, they're less likely to stack the box. 
and running the ball in the NFL really is kind of a numbers game. The Giants broke that stereotype, by the way, this past Sunday, because for two drives, they imposed their will with 13 personnel with three tight ends out on the field. So that was the the Giants game this past weekend was an exception. But typically, the running game in the NFL is typically a numbers game um, in terms of how efficiently you run the ball. I would like to see Saquon Barkley with a with actually a good passing offense get the ball and run the ball consistent and get consistent carries. That is what I would like to see. Because Daniel Jones' production, um, you know, not his yards, not his touchdown, not his box score, but his production, according to EPA, has been above average since week six. And his last two games, he's been a top four quarterback. In the league. I I love to hear it. I I love to hear it. Um here's a question. And then I'm, we're not gonna get into the whole running back conversation. Here's a question. And this is where because because what you say about like the running, like how many wins does Saquon have? That's a valid argument. Here is, and we're not going to do the whole conversation. How many wins does Quentin Nelson replacing our left guard add? It's a good question. So that that's that's just when we get into the running back, like because there is good. It's 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 more of an off season topic, but um, I do think like a lot of those arguments you can make for most positions, you know, um, right? Draft wise, but right. we'll do that in the off season. Next questions with an S at the end. Next questions are coming from Topher Pete, and he asks, is this the week that the offense catches up with the defense and we finally get to see what this team is fully capable of? And that's one. And then Brian Porez asks, if uh, you could find, do you take the designed QB runs and RPOs out of the playbook for this week as a hedge against re-injury and open everything up? back up in two weeks if Jones has no setbacks. I don't think you totally take them out. You tone them down, though. I mean, I was, that play he got hurt on wasn't a cube, wasn't um, a read option. That was a quarterback counter. That was a college football play. Like, it's we're running counter. Instead of with a running back, we're doing it with a quarterback. Um, so you definitely tone it down. But if he's ready to go, I mean, he, he's got he's going to play, you know. Um, and he's not going to not run for a first down because of his hamstring. If that's the case, then he probably won't play. But I think he's going to play, man. And I really can't wait for this Arizona game. The Seattle game, it's, you know, obviously we didn't, you know, we always come up with a path to victory. But the Seattle game, you never, you didn't feel confident going into. I feel very confident going into this Arizona game, more so because of our defense. But I just feel like, you know what, like, Jones has looked good lately. He is figuring this offense out. He's taking control at the line of scrimmage a little more. I, I'm someone who's believed in him. I think things can be happened with this offense. I really do with the way this offensive line is playing. I mean, this offensive line is playing flawless, man. Especially like in the past game, Andrew Thomas has looked amazing. Matt Parrott on my O line on my O line report this week, he's fixing some stuff, and that was his first game with Coach Gooch. So, I think there are some things that can be um, done with this offense. Now that we're talking about the offense, can I ask you this? Yeah, Darius Slayton to me looked a little uninterested this past Sunday. Did you notice that at uh- all? uninterested that's different than hurt i guess it could be or is that what you're saying it could be both you know but basically it was it almost seemed like he's like it's like he it's it seemed like he realized he wasn't getting the ball Hmm. you know like on the two man you know the the max protection two man rounds he was you know all go but it seemed like a lot of times when they were pressing him he was just kind of going through the motions bobby he hasn't been targeted in anything over the middle of the field except that second and eight reception. And that was still even outside the hashes. Yeah, that, to me, that's an outside but, throw. 
Yeah, but still, uh, my point is, is that the last few weeks, he has not been targeted on anything except him just running a streak. And it was, and it's just a one-on-one ball. Come, you know, man on man, just beat your you know, just beat your defender and come away with the ball, which he's done, and that's been that's provided great value to this offense. But that second and eight kind of post route that he ran to move the chains against Seattle, that was the first catch that he's had that was not just running a streak. I feel in weeks. So I mean, he didn't catch any passes last week again or against Cincinnati. Not- the week before that was Philly. He caught. The deep ball on the sideline. Did he have a deep ball on Left the sideline side in that game? I think, oh yeah, the forty yarder. Lo- yeah, he located it. He it was a funky little located. He had up some in nice catches nice in play. that game. He had some slants and stuff in that Philly game. But even there, there's a bye week sandwich in between there. I don't know what the deal is, man. I, I maybe it's just like we talk about this offense. I, I bet he's a little discouraged, you know. Yeah. Where it's like I also think I also think he's going to be one of the guys that this off season it's going to come out that. He needed off-season surgery. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, he's de- I mean, he's no. There's no doubt that he's banged up. We've seen him go off the field, limp. He's definitely banged up. Um, but I do think having Daniel Jones out there will be good for him because he realized, like, hey, I don't even have to be open, and and this ball may be coming my way, and it might come in the perfect yeah. spot. Where with McCoy, and um, the play calls this past week that just wasn't happening. Yeah, I, I certainly hope that's the thing because we saw last year. You pointed out how last year. There were certain times that Golden Tate was uninterested in what he was doing. Uh, and that hurts. That severely hurts the offense in an offense that wide receivers don't really get separation outside of Sterling Shepard. You kind of have to give 120% all the time to make sure your routes are kind of run correctly and, and refined. Uninterested so. was the wrong word because now I'm thinking about like he was blocking and stuff. It just, it just, he seemed like he wa- wasn't getting the ball. I mean, they played press man coverage on him all game with no safety help. I yeah. mean, the entire game, even for my expectations, like they're going to take a shot here. They are eventually going to take. They're just, they're going to just have to because of the way they're playing him, and they they never did. Can I also ask a clarifying question about RPOs? Because I, I I I may be getting confused, or other people may be getting confused. Read options are different than RPOs, correct? Like they're not lumped into the same category. Correct, but there couldn't be an R- there couldn't be an R- a read option in an RPO, but you don't really see that. Okay, we, we haven't seen that with the Giants option. A read option is you're reading the defensive end, hand it off, or QB run. RPO is you're reading the backside inside linebacker. If he flows with the run, you're throwing a slant, curl, whatever. Although right. I'm afraid we're going to throw an interception because teams are trying to jump on that, whether it's the safety or somebody else jumping out, or if that inside linebacker stays pat the way the New York Giants play it. Um, that you hand it off, but most of the times on RPO, you're basically throwing it almost all the time. I did see a stat today that the Giants have the most, and I think this came from a Football Outsiders article. Giants have the most rushing yards in the National Football League on RPOs. So I'm hoping that they're not lumping in read options they do. with that stat. They do. Okay. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's it's, it's okay. a good way. It's 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 of the same type of play, even though they're not the exact same play. Got it. Okay, so next question is we have some we have some other voicemail. Um, excuse me, we have some other mailback questions. Let me find them. Bradford Decker asks if slash when Patrick Graham crosses that bridge to head coach land, do you think Brett Bielma could take over without missing a beat? If B leaves for college ball again, Brett Bielma, is there a coach on this, or if B leaves for college again, is there a coach on this defense giving you future Patrick Graham vibes? Um, He put Spencer in parentheses. 
Um, then we also have a Mr. Brownstone question. Is there a way to sign Graham to like an eight-year, $800 million contract or something like that uh, to keep him? Nine and seven, meaning run the table. I love he finishes it off with everyone with nine and seven. I love sublim- subliminal yeah. messaging. Did anyone catch the subliminal messaging on my Andrew Thomas pancake on the pass play? No. There was audio to it. Now, you don't, on on clips like that, people usually don't click on so they don't hear the audio. Um, Let me pull it up. It was subliminal messaging. Anyways, go talk about Patrick Graham, and then I'll pull this up. Well, I'm going to talk about Brett Bielma first. He quote tweeted me. He's got a big following. He's it. a head coach for Wisconsin and Arkansas. He's a head yeah. coach in the Big Ten and SEC. And, you know, Twitter's big for that, so. Yeah, he quote tweeted me, and it, it was it was something where I and it was it's his guys, it's his position. Why group. do we do this on third um, down? It was the Why Andrew Thomas pancake on the Evan Ingram interception. What were you saying? Why do we do this on third down? Oh, why do we do that? Oh, so you put a subliminal Jason Garrett dig in yeah. there? Okay, I got you. I got that was good. That was really good. Um, but Brett Bielma, he quote tweeted me, um, and it was a tweet about how incredible the Giants' edge rushers have been despite missing the first four guys on the depth chart to start the year. And he said, good group that works every day to get better, and vets have guided them along the way. Keep stacking days and enjoying the grind. So that was nice. That's how I'm trying to coach college football again, tweet, though. No, yeah. Brett Bielman wants yeah. to go back to college. I mean, he, he takes every interview. Brett Bielman, I, I don't expect to be here. I think he will be a head coach in college next year. It stinks. It stinks. All right. So what? So what do we do about uh, Bielma? What do we do about Graham? What do we do about all these all these good teachers that could be leaving the Giants um, and just ruin what we have? If this there year? was one position coach, and this is, and um, uh, Big Blue Hulk asks about position uh, coaches, so it's just. It's just hard because we don't get to see what they do every day. You know, with an offensive right. coordinator, you get to see the plays he draws up. Um, O-line, you see how their technique changes. Well, I do because I know the offensive line. Um, you know, Patrick Graham, we see the schemes he runs up. We don't know what's going on. Like, we don't know what, you know, the defensive line coach is teaching. If there was one that I could see doing it and having the best success at it, Jerome Henderson, but he's a little older. Coach Chaos, Spencer Chaos on the D-line. I mean, Patrick Graham was a D-line coach for the Giants. Now, I don't think Spencer Chaos, Coach Chaos would make the jump this year, but in the future, you know, if he worked a year with the linebackers and stuff, learned a little more about that, I could see it yeah. happening because he just seems like be that high energy. He seems smart. I mean, he's got this D-line playing, all these guys playing, you know, their best football. He's the one. Um, but also um, Kevin Scherer, who was, you know, he was a coach at Tennessee, I believe. No, he was a coach at Georgia. Um I mean, the way these, you know, the way Blake is playing the best football of his life, you could see that happening. Um, but it's just so hard to judge position coaches because you don't know what's happening. Yeah. I don't want to talk about losing Patrick Graham right now. I want to enjoy Patrick Graham. Um, hope we don't. That's the- and teams might <laughs> find basically- out that he kicked that dog the other day, and we, you know, we can't have them teams True. knowing that. No, no, can't have can't have teams knowing that he kicks dogs. Um, <laughs> can't have that all right um let's go joey big blue hulk he did ask um patrick graham and judge get and deserve a lot of credit for the way this team is playing but can we get some love for the position coaches that have these guys ready to go next man up style i haven't heard coach chaos come up since the hiring well also we just gave credit to brett bielma because i thank him for quote tweeting me and the fact that he's got these sixth and seventh round draft picks and undrafted free agents 
and journeyman NFL players here playing. Um, the fact that we were able to cut an edge rusher in Trent Harris, who looked decent because Nico Lelos came up from the practice squad and is actually getting significant snaps. N crazy. Isn't so that crazy? It's like, oh, we got to, we got to, we got to move off somebody because we got to get Nico Lelos on their roster. Did not ex <laughs> listen. I, I love my undrafted free agents. I love doing my research. That was one guy where I, if you would ask me, I mean, he was probably in my five list of guys who will never play for the team. It was probably like yeah. Nico Lelos, Rice, and John. Um, the guy who was that cornerback that neither one of us liked. Oh, he looked like he was a child. Was I it Malcolm Elmore? I think his name was. Pro probably he was looked like, like he, he doesn't was even look good than Division Two football. His stats were bad. His stats in he Division was horrible. Two were I was like, why did they bring this guy in? Um, trying to think. The guy from um, Temple, I didn't like him. He just, I was like, he has a good get off, and he was dumb. His Twitter, like his, him on Twitter, was really dumb. He's like, they, I can't believe they didn't rate me good on Madden. It's like, dude, you're gonna be lucky to even make a a, a roster. I'm talking about your rating in Madden. Wow. What was his name? Dana Levine. Dana. Dana Levine. And then you know, guys like Dominic Ross were like, we love this guy. It's like they cut him the second day at camp. That was tough. That was tough. I'm I'm still not over that. Bring back Mark McLaurin. Could have been a could have been our uh, our Chas Surratt, Bobby. No, nobody's Chasserat. <laughs> nope, Chasserat, Chasserat. All right, I believe we have a voicemail from a friend in Germany. Oh, we do, and I wasn't ready for that. So we do have a voicemail oh. from Germany. I will say, and I'll probably do a shout-out tweet, I love the international Giants pages. Giants Germany, Giants, yes. you know, Giants UK, Giants Spain, Giants Brazil, Giants Mexico. I love those pages. I love their interaction. I mean, you should see how many... I mean, I do the Patreon, you know, I, I send magnets. You guys will be surprised at how many are international. we got a handful of international guys in the chat right now. I've never really realized how big the, the international audience and loyal. Like, it's some of the most loyal people because they don't have anybody to talk yeah. to over there about it. So they, uh, they're in it. So here's Silas, who runs the Giants Germany page. Hey, guys. Here is Vilas from Germany, chilling at my house. And, well, here's my question. How much do you like Tay Crowder? Because I think he's a pretty good linebacker, and I think he could be for real our future next to Black Martinez. And well, I'm looking forward to a next huge win against an overrated NFC West team. Best greetings from Germany, and go Big Blue. And Freddie Goodall also asks, is Tay Crowder the future? I say yes, and I have a little bit of a take from this. Outside of Andrew Thomas, we could look back at this draft class and say that Tay Crowder, and this is really hot takey, Tay Crowder like was was the best, most significant draft pick that came from this draft class in, in the long haul. I, I really do. The fact that they, Bobby, he was spying Russell Wilson the sack that, and this is something that I saw some some people on social media clip up, and I'm glad they did. the 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 sack that one of the sacks that Leonard Williams had that he, I think he got sole credit for, it was Tay Crowder who was spying him, waited just long enough for a lane to open up, made sure that Russell Wilson was not going to lose containment, dives for ankles, doesn't get the sack, but Leonard Williams is there to clean it up, and Russell Wilson panics because Tay Crowder's hauling ass at him. So, we I know we also have some questions about what how are we going to play Kyler Murray, um, and are we are we going to have McKinney out there? 
I know Murray's faster than Wilson, and Murray's one of the faster guys on the football field, but also Tay Crowder is too. He is so raw, but his he's he is like a really good coverage linebacker. Like it's crazy his instincts yeah. and his feel for coverage. I mean, and that go, you know that's credit to the coaching. But this is somebody that I mean, I love Tay Crowder coming into the season. You know, I was I was pissed off that the Giants drafted T.J. Brunson ahead of him. I was like, why did they draft this? Like, yeah. I don't understand this. Um, Tay Crowder, man, he's fun to watch. He's fast, instinctual. He's now he's raw. He misses tackles sometimes. Sometimes he takes bad angles, but he plays. I mean. If if you've listened to this podcast, you know I've got a type when it comes to football. Fast, instinctual, and loose. Those are the type of players I like. Players who aren't afraid to make mistakes. Um, and Tay Crowder falls into that category. And like he, he he's going to get a little stronger. He looks so tall and skinny out there. And he's the perfect mm-hmm. guy to play next to Blake Martinez. Um, you know, where it's like, you know... You, but he even looked good when Blake Martinez was out in that, that last drive. That's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you because Blake Martinez was out for the most important drive of the game where the Seahawks could have went down the field, scored a touchdown, and won the football game. On the most important drive, Tay Crowder was the linebacker that was out there. And, you know, how did how did he look? He clearly held his own. Yeah. But, you know, how, how did he look? Is there any kind of takeaways? He looked good. That? He looked calm and in control. The only thing is, is, like, they weren't playing the run. And I don't, I don't think... I don't think Tay can be that line right now could be that linebacker one against the run. You know, he's better as that weak side right. backer. Not to say that he can't become that, but man, he he just like like we said in the draft stuff. I know we get excited about players, but I was like, this guy could have we could have taken this guy in the third or fourth round, and I'd been like, okay, good pick. Like I would have. Like I, yeah. I I loved him. I loved him more than Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown. Um, hell, I probably liked him more than Shane Lemieux. Um. Right. So let's so let me ask you this question really quick. Um Ryan Conley, Tay Crowder. Who has a, a now obviously I think at this point we would say Tay Crowder is a better future in the NFL. I don't even know if Ryan Conley is Ryan Conley is barely even played. But man, so how do I want to phrase it? Who who's better in coverage number 1 and have you been more impressed with what Tay Crowder has done in his playing time so far than what Ryan Conley did in his short stint? Last year. The Rams game was pretty impressive for Tay. Um, he's definitely been better in coverage. I think we can get yeah, that better out of the way, He's right? been better in coverage. But Conley only had a, you know, a few games. And this was when we – because people got really mad at us for our Ryan Conley takes. If the, if that training camp decision came down to Ryan Conley or Tay Crowder and they picked Tay Crowder, I would have been fine with that. Like, And if you, got, if you go back and look – my takes were like, hey, I know I'm upset with the Ryan Connolly thing, but I was like, I'm very happy that Tay Crowder's on this team. My issue is right. that Ryan Connolly should not have been cut to keep TJ Brunson or Devontae Downs. And I still stick Devon- by that. Yeah, you Devontae can talk Downs. to me about how he's not playing in Minnesota. He's coming off an ACL. I feel like he deserved to have that time. He had a fourth-round pick invested in him. It wasn't like this guy mm-hmm. had nothing invested in him. Um, so I, I would go Tay because I think he's a, he's done it more consistently over a longer period of time. Um, yeah. Now, part of it is Graham's system probably helping a little about, but mm-hmm. you know, I'll take you know the five six games that Tay's had over the you know three that Countley had. Perfect voicemail about Darnay Holmes. Oh, this is a good one, and I wasn't ready for this one either. I am a freaking idiot. Actually, I am ready for it. What's up, Talking Giants? It's Joe Moyo from Hoboken, New Jersey again. I'm just curious if anyone else had a minor minor panic attack when uh, TV coverage cuts away from the field. And the announcers say, oh, it looks like Darnay Holmes is down in the field with an injury. Or the, I think they might have said that you know, trainers are over looking at Darnay Holmes. 
And then we go to commercial, and we had to think about Mondre Harper playing slot corner for about two minutes. Or was it just me? It wasn't just you. I had the exact same thoughts. Thanks for calling in, Joe. I had the ex- the exact same emotions. I was like, oh, no, that's huge. Which is a beautiful thing. We're talking about rookies. Our fourth-round corner at the nickel spot, which has been bad for the New York Giants for since DRC was here, where it's like, you know, that we ha- we have confidence in him, man. It's beautiful how like we we said we talked about it um, last week, so it's we're not this isn't we I can't pull the we don't talk about it enough card because we spent like five minutes on it last week on this episode, but the fact that we have our we we feel confident that we have our nickel corner spot figured out. It's so huge. Like for the next three years after this, we should have our nickel corner spot figured out, which is a good thing. And he plays with swagger. He plays with confidence. I mean, he and he, he plays in man. He can play well in zone. I mean, he kind of is a do-it-all guy. He blitzes. I mean, this guy, I can see him having like a four-sack year in, in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. He can be up there in sacks with Jamal Adams. Um, I haven't said this Speaking yet, this show, and it's been – the craziest stat and probably when I look on, you know, my analytics sites, my, my, my statistics sites that I look on every week just to see what I can find. Um, my jaw has never dropped as much as it did today when I saw this. So I think this is the best time to bring it up. It's the more, it's the most natural point on second and third down. Russell Wilson attempted one pass greater than 15 air yards out of the entire game. One pass on second and third down that went for more than 15 air yards. And, you know, obviously Bradbury's a part of that. Yadam's a part of that. Safeties are part of that. And Darnay Holmes is a part of that in the slot and how he defends his guys. My jaw dropped knowing that Russell Wilson, like we said on the show, we said it a million times. And we even said it, uh, I even repeated myself on, on Monday's show too. Russell Wilson, before this game, was taking 15-yard shots 25% of the time on 25% of his passing attempts. I flabbergasted by that stat, Bobby. Flabbergasted. This is a Super Bowl defense. We thought the off... We didn't think we had a Super Bowl offense going into the year. But the talking point for us, and we... I mean, we beat this in. It's like, the offense can be good. Can this defense give us a chance to win games? That was our conversation. And it has totally flipped. Um, yeah. And besides one, and besides one game, defense has relatively given us a shot um, to win the game. If your offense, you know, how many times has our offense had the ball in the final possess in the with the final possession of the game? With okay, we need to put three points on the board. We need to put seven points on the board. Or even how many times has the defense uh, been on the field with an opportunity to win the game too? So they've given themselves a shot to win. They've given the offense a, a shot to win, which has been. More than we can say in previous years, so that's uh, so that's really fun. So from talking about no. how we have a, so from talk, no. so from talking about how we have a no. a, a playoff, de- elite no, defense yet. at not least for yet. now. I have something because you mentioned Jamal Adams. We didn't get a question oh. about this. How drunk was Mark Slareth on Sunday night? <laughs> he was <laughs> going off, dude. He was rattled. I'm usually like against like the harassing somebody on Twitter. But Mark Slareth is somebody he can take it, so I didn't feel as bad. But he was bringing it all upon himself. Like he just randomly quote tweeted Art, um, and 
it was like easy. It was like, it was like talking to a dummy. Like it was it talk like trash talking Mark Slareth was like talking to a dummy. Like he just set set it up. I mean, he was ratio on every single tweet. It was, un- I I probably haven't had that much fun on Twitter in a long time than I did Sunday night. Like you were texting me about some like some serious like like producing stuff, and I was like, dude, I'm in the zone right now with Mark Slareth. I can't talk about this right now. I mean, it was. It was. A- I thanked him, huh? I thanked him because uh, he said. Congrats, Giants fans, blah, 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 blah. And I said, thank you, Mark, because that's all that I read. He said, congrats, Giants fans. I said, thank you, Mark. Boy, man, that was brutal. I hope he gets put on a Giants game again. Like, everyone's like, we can't have him on a Giants game. I want him on a Giants game because that will will just make it so much more fun. And I will say, I don't care if you're one of our most loyal listeners, the people who were literally trying to get him fired, stop it. Stop it. That's, That's so lame to me. So I saw somebody put like a like a petition, like and we're like you know send it to like Fox Sports. Don't try to get Change. someone fired for trash talking. Trash talking is fine. Change dot org fire marks. <laughs> that's, that's that's it's bad, but it's funny because um, of how it's 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 funny because of how stupid that is. I'm sorry if you're one of the people that did it, but it's kind of it's kind of silly. It's it's just an I've never got the infatuation with hating announcers that aren't like on your own me either i i i am not an announcer hater but mark slareth sucks he's just bad he says stuff that's wrong all the like like people hate on people like you said people hate on every single announcer it's just part of sports i'm not that way at all mark slareth is the only one where it's like i just this guy sucks like he's horrible at this like clearly they're not going to know your football team Probably as well as you do. Like Jonathan, Jonathan Vilma, like Ingram had a drop. Like Jonathan Vilma said, like Ingram usually doesn't have those drops. That's something where it's like, I laugh at it. It's like, he's obviously not watching the Giants every week. Yeah. But it's not like Jonathan Vilma being a total idiot, you know? Um, Right. You look at the catch rate numbers or you look at the the drop rate and it's like, oh, it hasn't been uh, totally bad since 2017 his his uh, or his rookie year so then it's like oh evan ingram doesn't drop the ball up but it's also kind of like yeah he kind of he kind of does <laughs> yeah. especially this like, year uh, actually like lost us games this year like a couple times actually like 60 60 70 percent of our turnovers are directly involving evan ingram regardless of whether it's it's his fault or not so yeah uh and not everybody knows that so that's the thing only only the real the real in-depth fans like us like like all of us listening uh, know that. So, Bobby, we have um, voicemails. We're we're kind of we're kind of running late, voicemails. but uh, the the main topic of the show today we have to talk about. It's Big V and the little guy calling from University of Delaware. Uh, the house is Bella, and we want to know if you agree that Joe Judge would be the perfect coach for Odell Beckham Jr. Go blue. This next question makes me laugh. Yeah, it's uh, Cody from Martinsburg, West Virginia. I was just curious if you guys were interested in drafting this receiver from LSU next year, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, he really compliments Jarvis Landry over there, and I uh, didn't know if he'd fit right with Victor Cruz's injury and stuff going on right now. Uh, Eli really does need another weapon. Uh, appreciate it. No, man, my eyes are on <laughs> that um, defensive tackle out of Pitt, Aaron Donald, or um, the guard from Notre Dame. What's his name, Zach Martin? I, w- I would go with those two guys. <laughs> So Odell's back in the news. And it has been a very long time since Odell has annoyed me. Like since 2019, 
2019, I was bitter at Odell. I was bitter at Odell. But he said a lot of things. Why? I was, why is he back in the news? We have to preface because some people don't. Number one, people are blocked by people, so they don't know what's going on. And then also, some people aren't, aren't on social media, so they don't know what happened. So today. basically, happened? Odell went on this podcast and talking about the Giants, he said like, my issues there were. That like they didn't build around Eli, which plays at everybody's heartstrings, which I believe that yep. was totally calculated to get people on his fan base. And then he's like, you know, coaches were sabotaging me. Um, they got a new coach and sabotaging, inferring Pat Shermer. He was talking about Pat Shermer. Okay, like the, you know Ben McAdoo and Odell's second year on the team was not you know or or whatever third year was not going around sat like saying telling all these older vets to stay away from Odell. He was talking about Pat Shermer. And like you know, like sabotaging me, and, and I felt like that was backstabbing. And but what happened was, is he he played with everybody's heartstrings. Like you know, he's right. This team didn't build around Eli, and it got everybody going. Like you know, he's right. Um, and it reminded me why why I was so happy with the Odell trade. It really did. And I and I want to preface this a little bit because Odell is a lot of people. If Odell was you know, if you were in middle school and Odell joined the team or high school. Odell was probably your favorite player of your childhood. Like, he's an amazing player. Like, if you went and watched Mike Too Nice's video on Odell a couple weeks ago on his career, it just reminded me of, like, how good Odell was. He was amazing. He was an amazing. He was on record pace. And now it's like he might, he's probably not even going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, So I get that if he was your favorite player. Like, Jason Kidd is a horrible basketball coach. I'd take him back. He was my favorite player. He's my basketball childhood. I will give Jason Kidd chance after chance after chance. I don't care if he's a bad coach. Um. Now that being said, Jason Kidd led us to the finals. He didn't, you know, choke in a, a, the first round of the playoffs. Um. You know, like I was rooting for him this year. You know, like I had no ill will for Odell this year. We really haven't talked about him at all. I had no, like I had no ill will. Where last year I was rooting actively against the Browns. This year, I, I don't care at all. This you know Playing the Browns this year was more of like, hey, I'm going to look forward to this. Not like a, we need to destroy Odell. But it reminded me of who, and this I'm going to go on a rant. This reminded me of who Odell is. This is who Odell is. He is a me, me, me guy. The Browns are 8-3 and three right now, 9-3. and three, and, he's, and he's doing this. He is distracting from his team again, again. His Browns teammates will be asked questions about Odell, Odell, Odell. And honestly, mm-hmm. he was the same guy last year. They were asking in-game for teams to trade for him. They were asking in-game for teams to trade him. Odell hasn't changed. Odell is the same Odell. I'm all for giving guys second chances. But you have to admit where you're wrong. And Odell, is, it's constantly everyone's fault but mine. And, but Bobby, let me, ask you, let me ask you a question, though. And I'm going to ask you a question that's going to make you mad. And I'm not serious when I ask this question. But I know it's going to set you off. But he was right, though. One, no, he wasn't. Pat Shermer didn't come in to sabotage Odell. Do you think he joined the team? They gave him a contract extension. Four games in, four games in, Odell did the ESPN interview. And don't talk to me well besides the that ESPN interview made everything worse about Odell. It made everything, like, I defended stuff before in Odell. That ESPN interview was like, oh, my gosh, this guy. And the you know why he did that? He signed the contract, and he thought he was untouchable. He thought he was untouchable. He thought there was no way the Giants would ever move on from him. That's what he thought. He thought he was untouchable. He said it himself in the interview today. He's like, I, I thought I was going to be there my whole life. He thought he was untouchable. He wasn't. And then the following Thursday, he walks off the field you know, before halftime against the Eagles, if you remember that. And Pat Shermer has to lie. 
So if Pat Shermer after that was telling players to stay away from him, good for Pat Shermer. Good on Pat Shermer because honestly, he was a bad influence on this team. And the th- he, he sabotaged Pat Shermer. Odell, you're the guy who sabotaged the team. You sabotaged Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer not a good coach, but you're the one who sabotaged him four games into his career of the Giants. He never had a shot. You're the one who trashed Eli. We've heard that Eli doesn't even like Odell. I mean, I, I guess I can say it because license plate guy said it on a stream with me. He said it. He said it publicly. He said it publicly yeah. that he sent some stuff to Eli to be signed. He sent everything back signed besides Odell stuff. Everything but. So he to pretend like he didn't trash Eli. He trashed Eli on national TV without telling the team. That interview is nuts. That is the sign of a madman. That's the sign of like, oh, this guy's turning into Terrell Owens. This guy's turning into Antonio Brown. Those guys weren't horrible yeah. off rip. It, and actually, they started getting progressively worse at the same time that Odell did. And, and you know, here here's my only thing, Bobby. You know, I don't really have, you know, I'm not feeling as emotional as you are about this. And good, I'm glad you got it off your chest. This is just the most Odell thing timing-wise to say this. He's not saying it in the offseason. He's saying it with, now there's questions of, are the Browns better without Odo Beckham Jr.? Is Baker Mayfield better without Odo Beckham Jr. on the field? They're 8-3. and three. <laughs> They are sitting pretty um, with a nice little playoff spot. I mean, if the Steelers have a little bit of a drop-off, there's a chance that the Browns can sweep in and possibly win the division. Very unlikely, but there's a chance that the Browns could win the division when, it's, when the Steelers started 11-0, which is a crazy thought. And the Giants going on a four-game winning streak themselves. The first time that they've gone on a four-game winning streak, and I'm stealing a line from from Snacks, he likes to say this, first time they've gone on a four-game winning streak since Vietnam. So what does Odell Beckham Jr. have to do? He has to go on an interview, and he has to make things about himself. This is just the most Odell thing. And, and it's you, funny. You asked the line, because I, I got this all day. Well, was, he's just being honest. Bullcrap. Why does Odell get to be honest card? What if everybody was honest about Odell? Huh? What if that after that ESPN interview, Pat Shermer, the whole team said that was nuts. We could not believe that. We were jaw dropped. Yeah. This is the mind. This is what something a very selfish person does. What if they were just being honest? Would you have pulled that card? Oh, they're just being honest. They are just being honest. Or you just said you don't trash your guy in the public. You don't. You don't do that. Um, what about um, when a picture comes out and he's laid up with a plate full of coke next to him? What if his uh, What if his teammates came out and like, yeah, he's kind of a drug addict. He parties a lot. He's a drug addict. What if that? What if they came out and were honest about that? Yeah. Would have that been cool? Just being honest. What about after the playoff game, where it's like, yeah, he kind of lost us this game. He had all these drops. He screwed us. They got all that attention on the boat trip, and then he's the one punching the wall after the game. Maybe worry about catching the ball instead of punching the wall. You're the one who you were a big part of us losing this game. What if Eli did that? What if Eli said you weren't the same player that got us here? You got us here. You didn't show up. You sucked. You sucked in the biggest game. What if they were honest about that? What if Eli was honest about that? What if Ben McAdoo was honest with that? Would have that been cool? What about when he's when he walks off the field halftime early, three days after he trashes the team to the nation with Little Wayne next to him next to him? What if he did that? What if Pat Shermer said, "Oh no, he didn't need an Little IV. Wayne. He's just an asshole. He's an asshole. He's a selfish asshole who's mad and he wants to throw a fit because he didn't need an IV." Oh, I don't like water. Shut up. Pat Shermer was was he lied for you. Eli lied for you. Your teammates, your friends lied for you over and over again. So miss me with the he's just being honest. And honestly, he's not being honest. He's lying. Pat Shermer tried to sabotage me. 
Get the hell out of here, dude. You sabotage yourself. You're the reason you're gone. You're the reason you're in Cleveland, and you're the reason people are annoyed at you in Cleveland already. You are the issue. He is the main issue in his problems, okay? He ha- and that's the biggest issue is he thinks everything else is his fault. I get the media can be a little over the top on him sometimes, but he brings it upon himself over and over and over again. And it's the old adage. If everyone around you is an asshole, you're the asshole. And that's who Odell is. And it reminded me. I was feeling bad for Odell. Um, and I still do. Like, I, I, I want the guy to figure it out. It's sad what's happened to his career. But this woe is me. Everything, everybody around me sucks but me. He set records with Eli Manning. He was on a ha- the greatest wide re- he, he was on pace yep. to be the greatest wide receiver of all time. And yep. he was still trashing Eli today. He was still doing it. So this idea that like, oh, he was just right about, you know, the team. He's playing the heartstrings. As you know, we he knows we love Eli. He's playing the heartstrings. Get out of here. Organization. That's the thing that bothered me the most, by the way. I thought he was untouchable. He didn't say or he didn't say organization. He said over and over again, organi- organization. You have to actually slow your cadence down with your words in order to say organization in the way that he was saying it. He was saying organization. I was very proud to be a part of that organization. Drafting, but we were just drafting, not like building an organization. And I ran into that problem, bro, when I felt that they weren't growing and evolving as an organization. Said it about five times. It bothered the living crap. And one more thing. It bothered me so much. One more point. Because someone made a good point. It's like, you know what? It's the whole idea. Like, the the more you can be a more of a headache, the better player you are. You're right. So should we have cut? Like, that's a conversation if we should have cut Odell. If we cut Odell, I'd be like, listen, he's a headache, but you don't cut Odell. You don't cut Odell. But we didn't no. cut him. We traded him. And we won the trade. We got to real peppers. We got Dexter Lawrence, who's having a very solid second year. And I think he's going to have a breakout third year. O'Shane Zimenez, even if O'Shane Zimenez doesn't play another snap, you we've won that trade. We have won that trade. So it's it's it, like I said, it, is, it would be a, a much different conversation if we just cut bait the way the Eagles did with Terrell Owens, but or you know the Steelers getting rid of you know Antonio Brown for a fifth round, even though they were ended up winning that because of how out of control he was. So I just I'm so sick of the woe is me, and then I get like I said at the start, I get he's part. He's probably a lot of people's favorite players, and I understand the emotions that come with that. I really do. This is this is a personal. You you you'll make you'll you'll make excuses for your fans, but when you look back at it, he is the issue, man. And I hope he figures it out. I really do. I'm not rooting against the guy, but today remind me because it's been a long time since we talked Odell. It reminded me because we really haven't talked to Odell since, you know, since Danny King was the host before the season. You know, well, here and there, but very briefly and never with a lot of passion. But it reminded me, like this is this is why we traded the guy. These these are the reasons, you know. Not this not this sole incident in a vacuum, but it's just frustrating, dude. It's like it's always somebody else's fault with him. We have a voicemail about rain. Hey, you big mooks! This is Josh Mountain <laughs> calling from Greenville, Texas, Dallas Cowboy Country. Dumb old Texas. Uh, just calling. I saw uh, Justin or the Entertainer post on Twitter that there's supposed to be rain on Sunday. Uh, how's, that, how's that make you guys feel about this game against the Cardinals in the rain just like last year? I'm thinking with how the Giants are playing football this year, we got a, we got a really good shot if we get bad weather conditions of beating this team. Uh, just want to know what you guys think. All right. Later, guys. 
that was the entertainer that posted. I, I that that's that's uh that's Danny that posts the weather. I don't post. About We're just destined to play Arizona um, in the rain every year. I, I, I guess so, but you were actually talking about this with Research Rick, and I kind of want to let you rock and roll with it, how you were kind of surprised that the Seahawks didn't utilize a little bit more off-tackle runs, um, stretch plays, stretching the field against the Giants to try and get these linebackers to go sideline to sideline and try and get these a big interior defensive linemen, especially when they're running three defensive linemen formations, trying to get them going sideline to sideline and see if they can keep up with the running backs. So we were surprised Seattle didn't do it, um, but we know for a fact Arizona's yeah. going to do it, and they gashed us. They gashed us last year. We made the trade to go get Leonard Williams after Seattle gashed us last Arizona, year. Arizona, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. So uh, Bobby, what do you, what do you what do you think of that? Uh, probably the rain does. In, the rain could impact uh, how often teams. And are we'll running. play them different than Seattle, but against Seattle, I mean, there was times where we weren't even letting someone outside the tackle. You know. It's like we were giving, we were playing too high safety, which gave them a favor. It was already a favorable run front, but was, even in that, we weren't playing anyone outside the tackle, um, which part of it is, is a good reason why we have all these defensive tackles, and it makes you be able to do some of those things successfully. But Arizona likes to get outside the tackles. Um, we'll spend more some more time on Arizona. Like, there's another question about um, Xavier McKinney, which is actually something I want to talk about, but we're going to save that for the pregame show on Friday. Cool. Uh, Tauzino at Red Yeti Nine. If either of you have any early favorites for Garrett's replacement at, at offensive coordinator, parentheses, when prayer hands, prayer hands emoji, when he goes, what about defense coordinator if another team, God forbid, poaches Patrick Graham? So we're basically talking about um, replacements for OC and defense coordinator if we possibly lose them for very different reasons. This offseason. Oh, who knows? Jason Garrett may uh, be uh, go coach the Jets, which I wouldn't mind. Um, Greg Williams, I'd love to bring. No, I'm just kidding. Greg Williams, no. and I, I'm not the biggest Greg Williams hater like everybody else is. That call on Sunday may be the worst defensive call I've ever seen in my life. That was egregious. It, that was egregious. You know, it, it wasn't on purpose to tank, but it's like that's the one play where it's like, oh my gosh, were, were they? I mean, that was, that was the <laughs> dumbest play call I've ever seen a defense coordinator ever call. Yeah. It just and so it's not bad. like oh they're aggressive like you know it's not playing the results of like oh they blitz on a hail mary. You had guys falling for double moves on a hail mary, and you had nobody like it. Just it didn't. I I when I saw that I was I was blown away at that, and I was I was like oh they had to fire him. I think Greg Williams may be done. You know I some of the other stuff I think has been a blown out of proportion, and you'd be surprised how many defensive coordinators probably said some similar things to Greg Williams. Um. But that was wild. I, I don't know if with defensive yeah. coordinator, I thought of the idea of Pat, Matt Patricia, but also pe- some people were in my replies, like giving me some like, hey, this is why he's not. So I haven't done any homework. I would say, now I'll say this, at halftime, I was ready to be like, we should fire Jason Garrett right now. Promote Jerry Shuplinski or Freddie Kitchens, whoever you think is better. OC, let's see what we have in those guys for the last five games. And then you can evaluate if you go outside the building. But if they were to move on from Garrett, which isn't a guarantee, um, hell, someone... It's also unlikely, but... Okay, but if if they were, I think it's... I think they probably go... It's probably somebody we don't know the name of. And honestly, that's the way I prefer it. Like, I love Jay Gruden. uh, Jay Gruden was my guy last year. But mm -hmm. I I think, you know, the the best new coaches are guys you never knew the name of, you know? Correct. Joe Judge. Sean McVay, Um. Cliff Kingsbury, (laughs) you know, Joe, Joe Judge, like... 
it's re- it's usually the no names where it's like you know the only the people that are behind the scenes are seeing this you know the giants are building a team that is more like the San Francisco 49ers and the Tennessee Titans more than they're building a team like the Seattle Seahawks or the Kansas City Chiefs and i think this sunday it's very apparent and also the last 6 weeks when we've been in football games having double digit leads in the second half last 6 weeks when we have had leads you're seeing you know you're seeing the formula the giants are going to have the the effective passing early in games and then they're going to want to run the ball and run the clock out with the running game i love that approach um so seeing somebody from san fran maybe seeing quarterback coach who has been working with Ryan Tannehill um i don't you know again i don't know who these people are but seeing guys working in certain systems coming over here uh, i think would be a pretty a pretty nice fit if if they can call plays so um there you go that's 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 kind of what i was thinking about next today next question next question we have scott nyg scott nyg we got a lot of questions, so thank you so much for leaving these questions. Scott, NYG, how do we re-sign all these guys on the defense? And also, Cody asked, let me, let me, I'm sorry, I'm scrolling, scrolling. Scrolling, scrolling, Cody. scrolling. Scrolling, 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 scrolling. Cody, where's Cody? Says, do question? you think we Cody signed Allen Robinson? I remember it. Okay, great. No, because I, I now I'm in the view of, like, we need to keep this defense as intact as possible. So the way you do it is you don't go sign the big money wide receiver. You cut Nate Solder. You cut Golden Tate. You possibly kev- cut Kevin Zeitler and ride with Shane Lou, Mew and Will Hernandez. Um, and you try and bring these guys back. And honestly, I would be 100% cool with that approach. But I will say, and I, I think this is a, a warning to myself too. We've seen Joe Judge do something similar to Bill Belichick. He's being his own man. But Bill Belichick... What is he? What has probably been the best thing about him, personnel-wise, in his career? Not drafting. He always gets rid of a guy a year early, or if yep. he's like, "Hey, there's we don't really like." I get this guy's a great player, but we'd rather, you know, bring someone in for four mil instead of paying this, you know, thirteen mil with this guy and bring in three pieces. So don't be surprised if Logan Ryan is not brought back. Don't be surprised if Leonard Williams or Dalvin Tomlinson is not brought back. So hell, in a year from now. I love Jabril Peppers. Maybe don't be surprised if he's not brought back. Although I do think he's a perfect piece, and they wouldn't want to move on from him. So, like I'm saying, like don't be surprised if you know somebody that we love isn't brought back. Yeah. Uh, Corey Davis uh, is leading the National Football League right now in catch rate over expected. You know how I talk about CPOE and how it represents like uh, accuracy for quarterbacks. Well, think of this as like completion percentage over expected, except for wide receivers. It means that wide receivers, their individual play is helping out quarterbacks and helping out the offense more. Corey Davis is number one in the National Football League in catch rate over expected right now. Um, so I know a lot of people, you know, and this is something that Mike Too Nice brought up. We talked about on our bye week episode. Um, so Corey Davis could be that underrated name that the Giants could hope maybe get. They'll probably have to spend a little bit of a hefty penny, but not as much if they were to go get uh a Rob or Kenny Galladay. So uh, let's get to our next mailbag question. It's from Jeff Boyd. Boyd. When will Snacks make his triumphant return to the show? I feel like Snacks is a once every once in a while type of guy. Like he's going to do bleeding blue with you in the off season. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we got to keep him on a leash. You know. Yeah. Well, he, if if you're if you're watching on the if you're the YouTube crowd, you're gonna there's a chance you may see Snacks more often on the channel. Um, 
So keeping um, that's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. We'll, we'll we're we're still planning out some things with Bleeding Blue Snacks is the co-host of a podcast that I do. It's a Giants history podcast. We we do a really good job, and we're gonna get that started back up again in the off season in 2021. So yep, the Bleeding Paul, Blue podcast. Paul, no, 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 not not the. Did you say the Bleeding Blue podcast? I don't. Yeah, like that's that. what it is. Nope, it's Bleeding Blue. Just you don't need the. It, that Bobby knows that's like my. Tr- I, I I think it really triggered by. <laughs> Um, Paul Nonis, uh, who is a very smart, very smart, by the way, he listens to us very carefully. I, I, I love Paul. Does Leo deserve twenty million a year? No, no. no. All right, we're on the same page. That's no. Good. Um, if if he had multiple ten sack years, then maybe. But one ten sack year, um, no. It's um, on pace for eleven sacks this year. I, I love it. Yeah, you could. T- uh, if if you told me he's on pace for fifteen, I believe you. Alex Casanova. Let's ask his mailbag question. Alex Casanova, when are we going to get fullback highlights, Bobby? I don't know, but Penny has made me believe in him a lot more than I did a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He's had some really good reps. There was one against Cincinnati where it was like, this is the best fullback rep I've seen in years for the New York Giants. Odds um, are you can see Elijah Penny positive reps on the O-line report. Even if Bobby's not talking about him, you can see some good reps there. There so. is sometimes where I get so focused in on like one player where it's like, there could be someone like getting like stabbed to death in the background. I'm like, see the way this guard's left foot moves. <laughs> and everyone, everyone that's watching is like, look at look at what Penny's doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you doing? How do you not see this? Oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, riding Giants mailback question. Riding Giants. Riding Giants. Riding Giants. Ride and Giants. Excuse me. Ride and Giants at Giants. Me ride. And Giants. Do you think David Sills gets another chance next year, or do the Giants cut bait? He'll get brought in the camp. Cool. Good for he'll, David he'll, Sills. He'll be on the 90, man. Good for David Sills. Could, we could use him as a quarterback right now. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, and Eli Wartman asked a uh, quick question for me. He had a question earlier, too. But question for Justin. Which, if any, PFF grades do you value per position group? The only ones that I look at and I give any kind of sig- significance to is grades that come from quarterbacks. Because there actually has been some studies that have shown that quarter that the PFF grades that they get for quarterbacks is more of a predictive result and more of a predictive metric. And I put metric in quotes because a grade isn't really a metric, but it's more of a predictive metric for year to year success, even compared to ESPN QBR. I hate ESPN QBR. It does. I don't know what it's doing. It's, it's very, it's like not based off of EPA. It like adjusts for strength of opponent. I feel like if you play a hard schedule, you you get a positive ESPN QBR. If you play an easy schedule, it really impacts you there. So um, I always look at EPA. I look at how much a quarterback is actually producing. And I will consider, like, for example, Daniel Jones's PFF grade is really good this year. He's like the 12th highest graded QB in the National Football League. But his EPA-wise, he's bottom half of the National Football League. And I think a lot of us would agree that Daniel Jones's performance has been better versus his production. And PFF is actually seeing that. But PFF also has the reputation of, oh, this guy's performing somewhat well. We're going to tell you how he's not performing well. Oh, this guy's not performing well. We're going to tell you how he is performing yep. well. They kind of do have that reputation, so you also have to consider that. But quarterback rates, I kind of do look at. Stop uh, using good grades, people. Stop using their grades because what's going to happen is there's going to be a player where you don't agree with their grade. And I get why PFF laughs at people because this is my second year of like being active on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, everyone's a hypocrite. 
We all hated PFF last year. Oh, yeah. Now we love it as used as gospel. Like, I mean, I felt bad for you because we talked about it a lot because there was, you know, you uh, uh, like a blog, like bit long thing that you wanted to do. I had, I had a like, positional, I had a positional value study that I sent to people, like very prominent people in this business. And I was 20 years old, 20, 21 years old, trying to ask this question of positional value and how do NFL teams build their rosters? And I was using PFF grades based off of like a positional value pyramid. And I did it for all 32 teams. I wrote two blogs. One was just evaluating it. The other blog was predicting the 2019 season, which I did not predict very well. But we were going to make changes to it. And I literally said this year, we cannot do this because after the debacle that was December of 2019 of the war against PFF. That was so much fun. And now, now it's like beat, beat every every beat reporter is is like citing the PFF stuff and the grades, and it's like you know, uh, come on, you it know. It does. I mean, it goes off. Like, I was like, I know, I screw PFF. Sucks. All right, but we're 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 good. I'm I, I I do have hopes of eventually possibly continuing that study. Um, I have some ideas about ways that we can incorporate like, like looking at how a, a guy. A guy's salary, if he's on his rookie contract, where he got drafted, it's gonna have to be a whole bunch of like we're gonna have to assign a value to, you know, whether how high a guy was drafted, how much money he's getting, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, what position he plays. It's gonna have to be a whole thing that I'm not smart enough to put together. But you, um, you know, something I embraced um, this off season with not just the Giants, but like other teams, where like we were going through the draft and stuff, is like make your strength your strength, you know. And I think that's what we've done. The, like people are like, oh, well, you need defensive tackles for. It. But it's like we've made our defensive tackles our strength. Like we have a surplus there, and now it's like, well, really, this defense is based off of that because you can play coverages off that. You can stop the yeah. run with those guys. So I'm a big like, your that's cornerback my one. Your cornerback one. You know, you signed you signed a guy that can lock down half the field, and we made that that part of that part of a strength. Made that move. And then everything else is kind of trickled down from there that you can have a rookie slot corner. You can have a cornerback, a revolving door cornerback too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Make your strength your strength. That's why, like, the Bucks, they, I was like, they should just draft Jerry Judy. Like, just, you know, just before they got Antonio Brown. Like, they should just get the best wide receiver core of all time. Go all in. Make your strength your strength. So that's my, that's my new slogan. I think we're good. I think we got everything. Yeah. I, and we're, we're, we're running. Joseph Joseph in the chat said our strength is injuring key opposing players. Watch your ass, Ooh. Kyler. Watch out, DeAndre Hopkins. We're coming for you. Um, I hope Andrew Thomas pancakes Isaiah Simmons, and I hope Marcus Golden plays well, but not, not well enough. Not too well. Yeah, not too well. Can you do me a favor? I'll 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 uh, I'll preview the interview that you're going to do on Friday. You also could not listen to me, by the way. But can you ask whoever from the Cardinals you're going to interview? Uh, somebody in the media, can you ask why DeAndre Hopkins only catches footballs on the left side of the field? I will ask that because that is kind of crazy. <laughs> it's like he only he does not move; he just catches out routes on <laughs> out routes or stuff deep. Um, I on wonder the if left all the people the who said field. Michael Thomas only does catch slant routes. I wonder if they're doing the same thing with Hopkins. Oh, that was catch out routes. I'm not even I'm not even saying that in a bad way. No, I know you're not, but, but I'm saying for the people who are like trash. Like, yeah, Michael Thomas has 150 catches for 2,000 yards and a lot of touchdowns, but he doesn't do it the cool way. Well, there's, so it's well, there's really PFF There's PFF telling you that guys aren't that good again, so there you go. No, that was everybody. That was the most annoying. Like, yes, Michael Thomas is super annoying, 
But this idea that like, oh, he's just not that good. It's the system. It's like, well, why hasn't they? Why have they ever had anybody close to this? Well, why is Golden Tate bad? You know, so. <laughs> um, no, All Golden right. Tate is a very outstanding. Hey, hey, Golden Tate told the truth. He said, just you know, I, he was open to that Tampa game. How could you blame? He was just telling the truth, Justin. Oh boy, here we go. What comes around goes around. Bobby, let's get out of here. This has well, been too long of a show. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday for our pre-game show preview show. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, let's go Big Blue.